0: Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. (laughs) Um, And uh, if you are visiting, uh, we like to preach through the the Bible as much as possible expositionally. You know, sometimes sometimes pastors, they go, let's see, let's talk this week about fanning the flames of communication. Let me find a verse to stuff into that idea. Uh, That's not how we like to do it. We like to submit ourselves to God's word and see where he takes us. So we've been working through the book of Hebrews. We've taken a little break uh, before Christmas and we're in the first chapter of Matthew. So this week and next week we'll be in Matthew one and we'll return to Hebrews after the first of the year. So Matthew one continuing in verse 18. This is God's word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Jesus, let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is kind of intimate and personal, but I bet you can all relate to it. One of the sweetest joys of uh, being married is um, that feeling of, uh, you know, your spouse gets up out of the bed and you roll over to where she just was. Does anybody else do that? All right. Well, no, yes, no. It's kind of embarrassing. I don't know, but I, you know, you roll over there and wherever she just was, and I I tell Tammy, you know, it's great to be near you, Uh, but it's also great to be near wherever you just were because it smells like her hair, and uh, it feels like her, and there's this, you get this sense of nearness right when you roll over into the spot where she just was. Um, Well, we're now fully into the so-called Christmas season, and uh, there are parties planned and their travel arrangements made and and all that. Gifts are being purchased and uh, shopped for and so on. And the advent of Christ is focused on, uh, at least by Christians. And one of the things that we shouldn't lose focus on, I fear, is one of the things we do lose focus on. You know, there are so many things to celebrate, including redemption itself. We celebrate that at Christmas time, don't we? We celebrate the mystery of God becoming man. That's something we celebrate at Christmas. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, we celebrate and consider a host of angels singing at this great announcement that Christ has been born into this world. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. Um, we also celebrate Old Testament signposts that point to the coming Messiah. All of the Old Testament is this uh, this uh, signpost that points forward. Uh, They're not just a bunch of moral tales to kind of help us through life. They are precursors to the Savior. They're saying, he's coming. He's coming. This one is coming. God's got a plan. He's made a promise. He's moving things through history. Um, And so we we, we celebrate those things. And even though we sing of Emmanuel, and as we just read, it means God with us. Even, Even as we celebrate that and sing that, I wonder if we think of it as crisply as this, which says, Our main idea today, the Savior of grace is always near the saved by grace. Get that? The Savior of grace is always near the saved by grace. Um, Friends, God is not just um, some theological concept. He is near his people. He is near us. In fact, he dwells in us, and that's even closer than the warmth of your spouse's pillow. So uh, let's go to our first sermon point, which is this, Christ the Savior is conceived. That's not how we sing it, is it? is it? That is very much what the gospel writer wants to get across, though. Um, You know, we we talk about Jesus being born and uh, the events surrounding the Savior's birth. And if you have an ESV, as I do, uh, the publisher's heading before verse 18 says, the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's a good publisher's heading. I know exactly where they got that because the, the verse 18 reads, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. So we are talking about the birth of Jesus. It's true. Christ the Savior was born. It's true. But the Bible takes great care here to distinguish Jesus' birth from everybody else's. Yes, he was born into this world. Yes, he was born, truly born in a usual way but he was conceived in an unusual way. He was conceived in uh, a supernatural way. So when we read verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place, place in this way. It's not like Jim Umloff was born in Loretto Hospital uh, on the west side of uh, Chicago. That's not the same thing. Oh, that, this is the way I was born, this is the way he was born. Uh, there's something very different here. Um, the Bible immediately goes on to describe not only the miraculous way uh, Jesus' birth happened, Okay, but the historical redemptive significance of it uh, as well. A very different situation than anybody else's. So let's explore it together. In verse 18, it says the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When Jesus' mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, that word betrothed, uh, that's a strange word. We don't use that word. Uh, and other translations that you may have in your lap may say something like a uh, pledge to be married to, or uh, that uh, Mary was given to marriage or engaged or espoused to. Uh, that's what some of your translations may say. But culturally, to be betrothed, whatever this is, this idea, um, espoused to, given to, and so on, it's different than the way we think of an engagement. Don't think, oh, yeah, an engagement, we understand that. It's not, it's not the same thing. Um, You know, in our culture, when people get engaged, it's a big deal. I mean, when you say, will you marry me? You're pretty sure she's going to say yes. And when she does say yes, you're like, you're kidding. Uh, Wow. Okay, so this is really going down. And immediately, I mean, the the guy's kind of stunned. She says yes. But the woman, everything starts. A network of activity happens, and communications are going out, and uh, you're thinking about cake mix, you know, cake and flowers and all that kind of stuff, and, and dresses, and who you're going to ask, and I mean, it's just this big flurry of activity uh, when somebody's engaged. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, engagement is a big deal. And if an engagement gets broken off, that's a big deal. Um, it's, it's, it's hurtful, it's sad, An engagement gets broken off, it's painful. But in Jesus' day, to be, tro- to be betrothed to somebody was much more than engagement, more than that. In fact, um, it was something that was more formal. It was something that was solemnized. It was something that was done in the presence of witnesses, and it was basically a restricted form of marriage. It was kind of like a, it was kind of like marriage, but not all the way marriage. Not a consummated marriage, but it was it was there was a binding nature to it. In fact, um, you know today's wacky engagements. You know when 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 we got married, I mean I proposed to Tammy. I was wearing sweatpants, and I got down on one knee in front of the fireplace and. it's not a very beautiful picture these, these days, but I did surprise her and stuff, right? It wasn't awesome, I, I confess. It wasn't awesome, but still. Um, but you know, now it's just crazy. You got to go to the Levitt Shell and you got to get all your friends and, and everybody jumps out like it's a surprise party and, and uh, it's, it's weird. Everybody knows about it before the bride does. Isn't that strange? It's just a strange, the culture's changed. But anyway, that is a little closer to being betrothed. Because you got all these witnesses and this kind of this big thing kind of takes place, okay? But even then, it still doesn't quite grab the binding nature. You want to know what the binding nature of it is? I mean, if you look at verse 19, the end of it, it says, Joseph, uh, being a just man, it already calls him her husband, her husband Joseph. They're not married, they're betrothed. But see, it's already calling him a husband. Husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, Okay, so to be betrothed isn't just to be engaged. There was some kind of binding nature to it, uh, and a period of time would go by, uh, perhaps a year, before the marriage was consummated and it was official. But uh, so, and by the way, uh, so the, the scene is uh, the scene then is uh, is. Um, not without complexity, right? So they're, they're betrothed. There's this very legal binding thing, this scenario. It's set up. It's official. Witnesses know about it. And then this thing happens. Um, and uh, it's a, it's a, it would have been a tough thing. Um, verse 18, birth of Jesus took this way. Um, Mary's betrothed to Joseph before they came together, sexually that would be. Um, she was found to be with child. And the Bible's very clear to say, from the Holy Spirit, okay? No question mark in the scripture writer's mind. And her husband, Joseph, he didn't know this yet. Being a just just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolves to quietly divorce her. Now, uh, in Luke's account, we're told that Mary's given uh, information by an angel, an angel by name, Gabriel, comes to her and and tells her what's going down. Um, And then she realizes, hey, my body's changed, Hey, this is really happening. Hey, I'm pregnant. I'm Joseph, there's something I need to tell you. And uh, that, that's, uh, that's a pretty powerful thing. Um, and uh, Joseph uh, has, has to come to terms with some stuff. And by the way, the angel that uh, approached Mary and Luke says this. Check this out. This is amazing. T- talk about pondering things in her heart. The angel tells her this. Your son will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, wow. I mean, that is told to Mary. What a thing for her to to treasure in her heart and ponder upon. That's a big statement. And it prompts a question from Mary and Luke. She says, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin still, how's this going to be? Now, in Matthew's account, the story is more succinct, right? Um, The first Jewish readers wouldn't have done what we do. Oh, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. Oh, isn't that great? Aren't babies sweet? We all love babies. So this is such a sweet little story. This would have been scandalous for a Jew Jew to read. Scandalous. They go, wait a minute. She had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she's found to be with child. Joseph finds out this is a a notorious um, thing. This is a scandalous thing. It's a. It's a. They. They. They feel the weight of how difficult the situation would be. And so uh, she could have desired. You know, Joseph. He's a. He's a just and willing man. He could have desired to uh, destroy her reputation. Uh, but rather than do that, he's going to let her slip away quietly um, and do what she needs to do. And there's a direct reason given. The direct reason is that he's a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. Right, so that says something to the to the character of Joseph as well. All right, so all that talking, what seems to be the focus of the passage thus far? The focus of the passage thus far seems to be a supernatural occurrence. She hasn't been with anybody yet. Yet she's pregnant. Um, It specifies from the Holy Spirit. In fact, it it says it again uh, later. She will bear a son, call his name, as she conceived in her, is from the Holy Spirit. Two times the Holy Spirit is mentioned uh, as the one who's made this thing possible. Um, And so the gospel writer is determined, ladies and gentlemen, that we view this as not just another baby being born. It's sweet and it's wonderful, but it's not just another baby being born. And I've told you this before. um, You know, a child being born into this world is, is astonishing. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But it is not a miracle. And I mean, I've heard it a million times. Oh, it's just a miracle. It's all it is. It's just a miracle. It's, it's nothing but that. It's just a miracle. It's not a miracle. It's normal. It's the way God... And listen... If 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 it's so wonderful that you, 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 you're searching for words and you're just like, I don't know what else to call it but a miracle. How good is God, by the way? If that's just normal, if that's the usual way a baby's been brought into the world, is that not a good God? It's amazing. All right, side note, bonus for you, okay? But um, what we're supposed to see here is it's not, oh, a, a, a baby's being born in this world. What we're supposed to be seeing is a real miracle happened with this baby. Um, when, when your baby's born, it's a natural occurrence. When Jesus was born, it was a supernatural occurrence. Supernatural, beyond nature. Now, so what is God doing? You know, it says here in verse 20... Um, As Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is God doing? Is he, ladies and gentlemen, giving us a wonderful holiday tradition? that we can gather with over food and honey-baked ham and festivities and have family time. Oh, the importance of the family. Is that what God is doing, is giving us a holiday? No, he's not doing that. Um, Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, is not a holiday. It's not like President's Day where a government sat down and said, you know what, let's finally go ahead and get a holiday in August already, huh? Come on, I mean, let's, have, let's go ahead and have a holiday in August, yay, That's not what it is. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about it, Hanukkah. Um, Hanukkah, I don't know if you kind of remember in in my era growing up, it got kind of pumped up. Do you remember that? I mean, when I was growing up, it was like, you know, it was like, man, I feel sorry for the Jewish kids because they have such a crummy holiday, you know, Christmas with the tree and the lights and the presents and they got a wooden top, you know? I mean, a dreidel's a total drag, you know, unless there's gambling involved. uh, It's pretty, it's pretty lame, you know? Um, and, you know, Hanukkah kind of took on a life of its own. It's like, well, you guys got Christmas. We got Hanukkah. Hanukkah, come light the menorah. You know, it, it kind of took on a, it got kind of jacked up, you know? And then what about poor old Kwanzaa? I mean, where you make you make somebody. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, Dave hogg 's going to, look, I made this for you. It's two boards, you know. Oh, that's awesome. And a bushel of corn, or, and, you know, and, and I, listen, and I I, I get it. Listen, they, they, they've got their, like, fake menorah, right? It's, I think it's called a quinoa or, or something like that. It's like, sort of like quinoa. But, you know, it's, it's, the, it's really clever. It's the colors of the African flag, and the middle one is tall, and, and the, black, the black candle's in the middle. It's very clever. But, ladies and gentlemen, Christmas isn't like that. It's not like a holiday that celebrates your traditions and your upbringing and, uh, and all that. It's not like Festivus for the rest of us, you know. It's, it's um, something supernatural happened that was different than any other thing in human history. That's Christmas. That's what the writer's trying to get across. You see um, the gospel's um, inclusivity from the very beginning. Um, that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through Abraham and through this this gift of a deliverer that comes through him. Ladies and gentlemen, God has moved toward us. He had every right to jettison us from his grace forever due to sin, but God moved toward us. And he did a supernatural thing uh, to move on our behalf. And listen, Jesus' birth is wonderful But let me tell you, the conception of Jesus is also critical. The birth is wonderful and the conception is critical. Because without that, you've got a human descendant of David. And what we need is a regal one. We need a loyal one. We need a legal one. We need a perfect one. And uh, the way Jesus is conceived uh, is so important. And uh, more, more... on that uh, idea in our our closing of our very next point, which is now. Um, Salvation is from God, through God. Uh, Look at verse 21, if you would. Um, She will bear a son, and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus, for he shall... Uh, save, he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the, the, uh, the Hebrew, the Old Testament, Joshua, right? So Jesus is the, the Greek equivalent of the name Joshua from the Old Testament. And that name, Joshua and Jesus, Yeshua, um, Yeshua and Jesus means um, Jehovah is salvation, Now, that was not an uncommon name uh, in ancient Palestine, Jehovah is salvation, not an uncommon name. Other people were named Jesus, but it is a very specific name to name your kid. It's a very intentional name. And uh, the the angel is saying that uh, you're specifically to name uh, your child Jehovah is salvation. And then the angel adds something. The angel adds this in verse 21, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, that's a big thing, because you remember, if you fast forward to the end of the gospel and Jesus is entering Jerusalem and the people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now, save now. Hey, Jehovah saves. Jehovah's salvation will save now. Man, they had it wrong. They were thinking, save us from Roman occupation, Give us our land back and our leadership back and our temple worship uh, restored to the fullness of its former glory, Jesus. But from the outset, what did he come to do? He came to save his people from their sins. Now, we can explore some wonderful things in here too, by the way. Um, First of all, it's his people. He will save his people from their sins. Now, friends, that's an easy application to make straight away, right? I mean, that's amazingly comforting, isn't it? That we're his people, that hearkens back to sheep who hear their master's voice. Very comforting to hear that, right? All right. But secondly, that, 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 whole, that whole idea that he will save his people from their sins, it's, it's also like a theological digest. Um, it conveys a lot of, a lot of rich uh, truth. Think about it. He will save his people from their sins. Question Is everybody saved? No. Well, then you can start to fill in the blanks. He will save his people from their sins. I mean, that statement has very much to do with the atonement. I'll let you guys talk about that over lunch. But for now, let me just say, as a digest, what this is communicating to us is, in the very least, is that God is the one doing the saving. God is the one moving into, um, into human uh, existence. It's, it's, it's like this holy, loving intrusion is what's taking place. God is doing the saving. And by the way, Um, You know, this is pretty amazing too. In verse 23, at at the end of it, like right before verse 24, some of you have have a statement in parentheses God with us, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, who is God? You've got Yahweh, you've got the Father. Oh, an angel of the Lord, you know, sent by the Father. So you've got in this little clump of verses, you've got God the Father. Who else do we have? Oh, there's Jesus, that's God the Son. Oh, and the Holy Spirit is mentioned two times. You've got this Trinitarian gospel. Is it amazing? From the outset, you've got the the work and the presence of this Trinitarian saving God all moving in concert. All right, one last little PS on this before we move on. Um, All this stuff. um, Don't fear... Uh, that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she 'll bear a son, call his name jesus he 'll save his people from uh, their sins, it fulfills prophecy. All that stuff is told to whom Joseph you know I fear that Joseph kind of gets kicked to the side sometimes, you know we think, oh yeah, that guy you know who's kind of hanging around and uh, you know he 's really not part of the action. This very prominently, God brings Joseph deeply into it. God brings Mary, of course, deeply into it and greatly favored, greatly blessed is she indeed. But so is he. He's greatly blessed. He's he's privy to this this salvific uh, work of God. It's amazing. And if you just want to apply it to your life, ladies and gentlemen, for all of us, is it not astonishing that we know any of this stuff? that, that we, we, we can grasp any of God's saving work. I mean, it's just so blessed um, that we're privy to grace. It's just eternally amazing. All right, application for your life. And this is gonna sound, it's kind of a little bit of a left turn, but application for your life. I just, it's just such a rich thought. Um, you know, we don't have a church sign out front that's, you know, scrolling and all that stuff. And I just, for me, I mean, we, you know, we used to live in Cordova, And uh, Cordova, uh, Walnut Grove Lake. And across the street, there's a row of churches. And, you know, the digital signs started popping up. And I mean, I would lay in bed. This is how horrible a person I am. I would lay in bed and I would think of ways to destroy those signs, you know, and not get caught. And I would be like, would it be a sin? Uh, Or would it be like merciful to the neighborhood, you know? Because I mean, I, I just think it's the grossest thing a church ever does is put this scrolling, blinking, blub 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 thing in their neighborhood. It's just so awful to the neighborhood. It's just terrible. Anyway, but if we did have one of those signs, man, I would use the heck out of it, and it wouldn't be like it would. It wouldn't be like corny, corny stuff. You know, corny bad church signs that show up all over the internet, but it would be like, like one I've always wanted to ha- put on there is Jesus had raging BO this Sunday, you know, 10.30. I mean, I would go to that church. i go, what, Jesus had raging BO? Of course he did. What do you think, they had prel and dial soap and toiletries and stuff like that? They had one change of clothes and they walked around. It was desert heat. Everybody had raging BO, everybody. Nobody didn't have it. It's pretty good, isn't it? All right, but how about this one? You know what I'd love to put on the sign? I bet you people would come in for it, and it's biblical, it's scriptural, and it's taught here. Jesus was adopted. Isn't that a rich thought? He was adopted by Joseph. He was adopted by his dad. Holy Spirit conceived by the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, Joseph, he's adopted. And what is applied to him? The kingly line of David. It was acceptable to God that the kingly line of David from Joseph's side be directly, legally, permanently applied to Jesus. Acceptable to God. And so you know what the application for you is? How safe are you? who have been adopted into God's family. How safe are you? How, how rich a thought. It, it, it means to you and me that um, we have all the legal bounds and rights and privileges of being children of the king of all kings. It's just a wonderful thought, ladies and gentlemen, um, and that's a, a certainly a takeaway from this passage. Our last point, lessons from a bad king. <laughs> Uh, Look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Who's the prophet? The prophet is Isaiah. It's a quote from the book of Isaiah. And it says this, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now the prophet is Isaiah. And then you need to ask, okay, well, who was Isaiah talking to? Right, he was talking to somebody. Uh, this quote is lifted from the Old Testament. Who was who was Isaiah talking to? And the answer is Ahaz, the king. Ahaz was a crummy, uh, unregenerate um, Judite king. All right, so he's a king of Judah, crummy king. And um, basically, the, the, to, to shorten the story. Um, the Lord sends Isaiah to Ahaz because Ahaz has cooked up a really terrible plan. Ahaz is looking at these two kings who have come together and uh, he feels threatened by them. And so Ahaz, um, rather than saying, oh, uh, <clears throat> Israel's God, Yahweh, can you help us? He goes, you know what? I'm going to make a par- partnership with Assyria. That's a stupid idea. <laughs> Syria is an enemy. In fact, uh, uh, Babylon's going to get Assyria and uh, Babylon's going to take over Judah. So, uh, really bad plan. And so, in short, um, rather than Ahaz listening to the wisdom of God that's been given him uh, through the prophet Isaiah, Ahaz refuses it. And here's what God says He says of Assyria, who will basically bring frenetic mayhem throughout uh, Israel, Judah, he says, That army, that Assyrian army, will overflow its channels. It will run over all its banks and weep into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, reaching up to the neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land. That's bad. They're gonna take over, man. They're gonna swirl through like a bunch of crickets and take the whole place over. They're They're gonna fill it up, take you over, overrun the land, all right? But that, that's not the end of the statement by God. You know, what, you know what he adds at the end of that? God says, oh, Emmanuel. <laughs> it's, it's like Ahaz, such a bad idea. Here's what's gonna happen. Ruin, 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 ruin. You're gonna get overtaken. Oh, God with us. Added by God. And it almost seems to say Ahaz, you're evil. He did a dumb thing. Um, but when the land is overrun with the, the enemy like cockroaches, God is still doing things. God is still working. God is still muscling through redemption, redemptive history, pushing it uh, toward his own end, uh, even when history struggles against God with all of its might. Um, folks, to close, the Savior of grace is always near the saved by grace. He is God with His people, even in the in the face of the res, of resistance by His people. God, God has intruded; He's intruded unto salvation. Last thing I'll leave you with is this, um, and th- this in a quote by a, a wonderful theologian uh, named Groucho Marx. Um, but. Um, she will bear a son and so on. You'll call his name Jesus. Um, the idea is that God is with us, right? In verse 23, God is with us. Um, then in, in the middle of the book of Matthew, that's at the beginning, the beginning of the book of Matthew. In the middle of the book of Matthew, um, it, is, it is written, um, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So again, we have a picture of God with his people, and by the way, when we read that verse, when we think two or three are gathered in my name, we think, oh, a prayer meeting uh, at the Perkins. Uh, that that, you know what this is talking about? God's assembled people like this, like in there. You know what I said to Matt? This is off. Oh, this is off the off the notes. I was I was next to Matt Hedgepath, uh, first hour, and the room is you know empty just tumbleweeds rolling through there and coyotes and stuff and and there's like 14 people sitting out there and I leaned over to Matt and I said what a low view of god Every time I look out of that big empty room, I just think, what a low view of God we must have at our church. What is the deal that we, that we don't even hold this gathering as God's people worshiping in the highest regard? We think it's some little fluff thing and some little warm-up act for the sermon. What a low view of God. God has saved us that we might assemble. And when he says, hey, when you're gathered in my name, I am with you. So the beginning of Matthew, God with us. The middle of Matthew, God with us. And at the end, when Jesus sends us out, what does he say? He says, hey, go to the ends of the earth. I've got all the power and authority. And by the way, I am with you always. That's the message, ladies and gentlemen, that God is near, near, near to his people. All right, the, the Groucho Marx quote. Um, I don't remember what movie it's from. Uh, maybe Snodley will know it over here, but... Um, uh, it's Groucho Marx, and he's, he's embracing this woman. And she goes, Closer. And he, he squeezes her. She looks at him and she says, Closer. He goes, Grr. And I mean, he's really squeezing her. And they're just face to face. And she goes, Closer. And he goes, Any closer, I'd be behind you. <laughs> Is that not a great line? I just love that line. Ladies and gentlemen. God is nearer to you than that. He's not just pressed up against you. He's not just sidled up to you in the car or in that tough moment. He dwelleth in you. This Savior has come to rescue us. Um, Not that we could have a slightly improved existence or some kind of fulfillment or some answers to some ultimate questions. He has come that we might be brought near him. He has come to save his people from their sins and to be ever present and near with them. A great comfort, a great thing to dwell on, this supernatural thing that happened uh, for our salvation. Let's pray. Father, um, we we confess that we often hold you in uh, in low regard. We often move you to the side and get on with our busy lives, and we often forget that, um, that you desire a relationship with us, not just... Um, Proclamation uh, of what we believe, but you desire relationship. You want to be near us. You want a real relationship with your saved people. So we pray, Lord, that you would um, encourage us, that you would cause us to be more uh, in awe of this great salvation. And I pray, Father, that you'd impress upon these people's hearts that uh, in Christ's coming to this world to save sinners, a supernatural thing happened that never happened ever before in human history and never will again, all because you love us and want us near. Thank you for that. We pray it in Jesus' name.